It is Saturday, April 2nd, in case you forgot what day it is. Why am I doing a podcast on Saturday instead of Monday? I don't know, because I'm busy, and I'm particularly busy on Mondays. I don't know how much longer I'm going to keep doing this, because the emails aren't getting through to people with Gmail accounts, and to do, you know, 20 minutes a week, not that I've been doing it weekly lately, but to do 20 minutes a week, um, once a week, once every two weeks, for free, isn't that big a deal, isn't that big of an imposition on my time. To do it and then see your audience shrinking because of technical issues that are out of your control and that there seems to be no remedy for, eh, that's, that's the point at which I say, okay, it's time to give up. So we'll see. But, of course, I'm still reeling, as is the whole world, apparently, from the slap heard around the world. You know, um, it occurs to me, there's so much hand-wringing over this, and it occurs to me that we have reaped what we've sown. It's Twitter's world, and we're just living in it. I mean, that's, what, that's my takeaway from it. We have been moving towards this moment. People are horrified. Oh, there was violence. You know, and, uh, and nobody stops to ask themselves why. I mean, we've, we've asserted loudly and relentlessly for years now that words are violence. Well, so it was self-defense, right? Words are violence. Watch what you say, I think, is the message. And uh, not having been in the situation and, um, and not really knowing, if I'm to be honest, what I would have done in that situation, I was a little bit disappointed because Will Smith goes back to his seat and then shouts at Chris Rock to keep his wife's name out of his fucking mouth twice. And... Uh, and the second time he says, I'm going to. It's like, thank you, sir. May I have another? And I, you know, I don't know what I would have done in that situation, but seeing as how he's a professional comedian, I would have hoped for a joke there. Um, and maybe that's too much to hope for these days because uh, everything is deadly serious, isn't it? Everything is so serious. I saw Peter Gelb of the Metropolitan Opera doubling down on his just unbelievably obnoxious harassment of Anna Netrebko um, for having in the past been friendly with Putin and not now denouncing him publicly. I don't know how it's any of his business whatsoever. But apparently, if you don't um, toe the line with him, where he stands on political issues, your persona non grata at the Met, which sucks because she's about the only soprano there who's worth a crap, to be perfectly honest. I mean, most of the sopranos there are well, well past their prime. 
But hey, he got to make his point. Why he's making points in the first place is beyond me. Who told him it's his place to go out and insert himself in politics? I mean, this is the Metropolitan Opera. Opera. It's art. Anyway, so he's doubling down because that's what we do. So Will Smith resigned from the Academy. I don't even know what that means. Do you? I wouldn't even have known the Academy Awards were on if it weren't for this slap. What relevance does any of that have to anybody except the people getting the awards? They don't nominate movies anybody cares about or anybody has actually seen. Increasingly, year after year, I mean, there's, it's like its own genre. There's comic book movies, there's, there's comedies, there are horror movies. None of those get any consideration whatsoever, by the way. They, they, by definition, apparently cannot be good. Certainly not the best picture. Also, why do we call it the best picture? We're making a picture. It's a fucking movie. Or if you've really, really got to take yourself seriously, call it a film. Fucking picture. This industry shit, I swear. It has nothing to do with what movies are best. Oscar movies are their own genre. Here is the kind of movie you have to be in in order to win this award. It has to just be this kind of pompous, dreary, dull as fucking shit movie about important things. And increasingly, it's got to be political in one way or the other. Sociopolitical, anyway. Well, I think, you know, I was um, in the Chris Rock position. Somebody in the crowd once upon a time about 11 years ago down at South by Southwest in Austin, Texas, didn't like what I had to say. Throwing ice cubes at me. I always love, by the way, the the, uh, people like, what's the big deal? It's just ice cubes. Okay, well, let's find out what's the big deal. Invite me to your workplace. I'll bring a bucket of ice and whip it at you. And at the end, we can sit down and discuss, fucking focus focus group it. We can discuss what the big deal is. I swear to God. So this, this woman gets physical with me in the audience. And what we learned that night is you can't hit them, you know. I guess what you're supposed to do, apparently, according to the internet at that time anyway, maybe it's changed, but you're supposed to stop the fucking show. I kid you not. You're supposed to stop the show, completely leave the performance, and call on security to deal with the situation. Honestly, people believe that. And I, you know, there are people who would do it. Those are people who are really bad at performing, right? When you're on stage, everything is part of the performance, including the things that come up that are unexpected. And you roll with it, and you incorporate them, and you react to them in a performative way. I can't believe he did that. I mean, the the presumption is that 
I walk around in my day-to-day life, first of all, getting people throwing ice cubes at me and throwing beer on me, which is weird to begin with, uh, that people would assume that, and then I react violently. But first of all, nothing of the sort happens in my life, and second of all, if, if it did, I would react in a completely different way because I'm not on stage. I'm not performing for people who paid good American money to see me. So you can't do that. I learned that. So, you know, what is, what is Chris Rock supposed to do? I don't know. I don't know. And the, and the only reason it got to that point is because when this dude started getting up, you know, when he got out of his chair and started walking up, for some bizarre reason, security, which they apparently had security there, didn't stand up and stop the guy from assaulting the other guy. I mean, it was a complete fucking lapse in judgment. And then he sits down and like 20 minutes later, he's up there crying, accepting his fucking best actor Oscar. There's so much introspection, so many opinions. Here's one. You people are fucking insane. You're insane. So uh, all the takes on that, the only one that I found kind of sort of approaching interesting was Joe Rogan's who said, you know, the guy was essentially playing a role when he got up there and did that. And I think there's truth to that. But I, I, you know, he puts that in the context of this is a guy who's extremely wealthy and famous and lives in a bubble. But I think that's totally wrong because I think... We are all now performers. That's what the internet has done for us. That's what Twitter has done for us. It's Twitter's world. Remember, we're just living in it. And in Twitter's world, you're always on. The camera's always on. Everything is performative. Now, again, take me back 11 years ago when I was promoting the new album, which came out like a day or two before this South by Southwest thing. I was very much in performance art mode. Uh, in promoting the record, and it made a lot of people angry. It's doing kind of the pro wrestler thing. Um, but there's this idea among people um, who obviously have no idea what they're talking about that it's like there's that and then there's reality. But there are gradations. There are um, there are all sorts of different public scenarios in which you're wearing different hats and engaging in performance and performance art, if you maintain an awareness of it, which I like to, um, to a certain degree. So Chris Rock, the comedian, goes on stage, and there's that persona. And then maybe he goes and he works on a film set, and there's a completely different persona there. It's not public exactly, right, when he's working, but there are a lot of people around, so there's that persona there. Then there's the on-screen persona, then he goes and promotes the film on a late night talk show and there's a different persona. And then he goes and maybe 
um, goes on a fellow comedian's uh, podcast, maybe a friend. And so there's a different persona there from the one that was on the late night talk show. But it's all performance. And, uh, and you know, in his day-to-day life, presumably that's as close as you get to real. But we're all kind of performing to some degree, I think. And, um, and to a large degree, it's a, it's a matter of how aware are you of that and how much do you view that in artistic terms. For me, the answer is a lot. Because I think more than anything, it's funny. But, you know, whether we have the internet or not, I think, you know, this is what we do. And in fact, this is how we learn to be authentic. And I put quotes around that word, authentic. Because I don't think we ever reach that. But we strive for authenticity. We strive for this is who I want to be and who I am, right? And, that, and you go through, you know, as a kid, you have role models, positive or negative, and you don't have much choice in them. So you see behavior and attitudes and you emulate them or consciously don't, and that starts to shape who you are to some degree. There's certain immutable facts, right? And anybody who's had kids probably... I would imagine knows this because it surprised me when my kids started getting older. And I mean, by getting older, I mean like before a year old, like there were distinct personalities and characteristics in place that remain there today and that will be there for the rest of their lives. So there is something unique there. It's not all nurture, but at the same time, you do um, learn certain things about, morality and ethics and, and, uh, you know, correct um, social behavior, social cues, all that kind of stuff. You, and you learn kind of what your values um, to a large degree by uh, those role models around you. And then as you get older, you naturally reject a lot of that, or you want to reject a lot of that in adolescence and in, you know, your 20s even. Um, and so you search for other models. And, and one of the great myths of, um, of modern times, at least, is the idea that, um, is the idea that people, and teenagers in particular, um, but young people in general, gravitate towards the more kind of open, free, and liberal um, end of the spectrum. And that's actually not true. If you pay attention, they typically, um, and maybe it's just a cultural thing because of where we're at culturally and have been for the past 50 years or so, uh, but they but they typically will gravitate more towards a conservative, not politically conservative generally, but a more conservative traditional point of view, because when they start to feel unmoored, as uh, adolescents are, are inclined to do, then they want some kind of anchor. And so they look to things like tradition and things with a strong foundation. They want answers. They don't want 
their answer, uh, their questions answered with another question. They want things black and white. But even as you get older, you'll see people who uh, exhibit or embody qualities that you admire and you aspire towards that. So we're constantly becoming who we are. And I think that's interesting in the context of identity and how much identity, racial identity, gender identity, all these things have become such an important part of the discourse today. Uh, because I think, there's, I think there is a jumping off point there. I think we go from this is the way people are and generally probably have always been to, wait, this is a new thing. This is a different thing. This is splitting off from that. Because a mistake people make a lot of times when they run into an ideology or, or, or a trend in culture that is, seems to be pretty clearly terrible and silly and stupid is to just shoot it all down without acknowledging that often, in fact, I would say almost all the time, there is some basis for it. So for instance, you know, a lot of this, a lot of this racial stuff out there that says white people are inherently racist and, and we live in a, you know, white supremacist society, stuff that's clearly insane on the face of it is, um, is prefaced by things that are true and that do have basis in facts. So the idea is not to make something up entirely, but to start with a germ of truth and spin your fantasy world and your lies from there. And the same thing with gender and gender identity, you know, that all starts with there's, there's sex and then there's gender and, um, and sex and gender aren't the same thing, which is true and which I think we've known for, for quite a while, but that very quickly then goes into sex has nothing whatsoever to do with gender. It's all command. That's how you end up with people seriously asserting that um, that it's just a crapshoot what gender a baby is assigned at birth by a doctor. Yeah, I don't know, says the doctor. Couldn't tell you. I wish there was a way to say whether this is male or female, but I'm just going to have to guess. Hey, I got a 50-50 chance. Female. Let's just say female. You don't end up there from nowhere, you start with a germ of truth and then you distort and twist and create a sort of Orwellian world that always inevitably ends up with people saying things they know perfectly well aren't true because the price they pay socially, if they don't, is, is too high in their opinion. And, it's a, and what has been most interesting uh, and terrifying about this is, is the Orwellian universe was always conceived to be uh, political in, in its origins. It was the government who, who 
did that. And the government now is really just sort of a, a sideline. It's these corporations, these tech corporations that are engaging in this. It's Facebook and it's Twitter and it's Google. So they're the ones deciding what is or isn't appropriate speech. And they're, and they're the ones who are adhering to an ideology and creating guidelines based on an ideology that is clearly insane. And, and yet, uh, if you want to be part of the public discourse, if you want to be part of the public square, which these days is Twitter, then you have to adhere to that. You don't have to agree, but you have to keep your disagreement silent. You can't discuss it. It is not to be discussed. You cannot go on Twitter if you have any following whatsoever and say a man is not a woman. Right? You will be banned if you do that, if somebody reports you. I imagine if I went and did it, probably nothing would happen because I don't have many followers on Twitter. But if enough people see it, that one of them gets offended and reports you, you're done. It's that sentence. A man is not a woman. If you do that, you're done. It's not up for discussion in that world. And there's a theory out there, I don't know if I believe it or not, but there's a theory out there that a lot of the people that are putting pronouns in their bios are doing it to signal, I'm one of the good people. They don't give a shit about it. Just, I'm one of the good people. Please leave me alone. Please don't take my job away from me. It's not, I don't know if that's true, but it's sure not hard to believe. I mean, some of them have to be doing it for those reasons. So this, this is the world. And you saw it in the wake of this, of this Will Smith, Chris Rock thing. These are two black men. The incident happens. And somehow, some of the first takes that came out, somehow it had something to do with racism in America. And of course, it's, it's so incoherent that the people who push these kind of views don't even bother to explain. It's just like, I said it is, therefore it is. Um, I mean, it's, it's abject lunacy. But, uh, but, you know, if you call somebody a racist, they are by definition a racist. You say, where's the evidence? That's the evidence. The accusation is the evidence now. That's all you have to do. I've been branded all kinds of terrible things. There's, go, Google me and read some of the things and find, if you can, any evidence that, that people cite to back it up. You can't. Because they don't, because they know they don't need to. All you need to do is say it and repeat it a lot. And it's true. Truth is no longer truth as we know it. Truth is whatever a very small group of people decide is true at the moment. And it can be a small group of people if they have enough influence with the gatekeepers, with Twitter and Facebook. And they do. So... A man is a woman, if he says he is. That's where we're at now. And it, this is 
the world we're going to live in until enough people decide it's worth paying that price socially to say, no, this is, this is crazy. And, uh, and I don't think we're anywhere near that right now. Maybe it doesn't seem to you like that has anything to do with the, the Will Smith and Chris Rock thing, but I think it has everything to do with it. I don't think you can just say, oh, we, we, uh, we're playing a role, and that's what happened there, is Will Smith was playing a role, and he was, you know, and it was more egregious on his part because he lives in a bubble. I don't think that's really true. I think Will Smith was uh, doing exactly what the Twitter mentality says you should do. He was reacting to violence in self-defense or in defense of his wife. If words are violence, then, then Chris Rock violently attacked his wife. So he had to defend her. And I don't like this wishy-washiness about it. Because it's, it's interesting that a lot of the people who are, who are so into the words or violence thing, like, kind of back off when actual violence takes place. I think you got to, you know, you got to be consistent. If words are violence, then he was just defending his wife. I mean, granted, a few people have taken that, that attitude, and God love them at least for their honesty and their consistency. But, but this is... I don't know. I'm glad I'm not in the comedy business because I, I, I don't know what the future of it is. There are so many things you can't say now. I'm not talking about like, oh, people used to be able to make, you know, sort of vaguely racist jokes and, and now they can't because society's mores have changed. I'm not talking about that. That's, that's part of the evolution of language. It's part of the evolution of culture. I think we all know that, and I think we all accept that. What I'm talking about is this new thing that says, you have no idea today what is going to be offensive that wasn't tomorrow. What I'm talking about is, has nothing to do with specific terms or specific jokes or anything like that. It would be pretty bad to be handed a book full of lists of things you're not allowed to joke about if you were a comedian. But that's not even what I'm talking about. What I'm saying is that people are saying, no, 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 there's no book. Just be careful. To me, that's a lot more terrifying. It could be anything. So watch your fucking mouth, comedians. Watch your mouth. Because you can tell the lamest, tamest, corniest, old-fashioned G.I. Jane joke. I mean, that's like something out of like one of these old comics from the 40s or 50s, you know, doing their residency in Vegas. I mean, it's, it's, that, is, that is like Tonight Show with Jay Leno level of comedy. It's not even funny. It's so mild and inoffensive. But guess what? It got you slapped in front of the world didn't know that, huh? You figured you'd go out and roll with the whole Oscars thing 
of really lame, predictable, dull comedy, what could go wrong? And that, I think, is where we're at. I think we have come to the conclusion, consciously or not, that the best way to stop people from saying what we don't like isn't just censorship. It's pre-censorship. It's fine when Twitter and Facebook are on your side and they'll ban people who say things like, a man is not a woman. But wouldn't it be better if you put people in a place where before they said anything, they had to check Twitter to make sure it wasn't going to get them banned? If they had to look to a certain group of people and say, how are they talking about these given subjects? What are they saying and what are they not saying? Okay, they're not saying all these things, so I'm not going to say them. Because they're dangerous. Not because anybody pointed them out and said A, B, C, and D are dangerous, but because they're not being spoken about. And if they're not being spoken about, that makes them dangerous. Because we're crazy. We're unpredictable. We don't know what's going to happen next. We don't know what's going to be considered offensive tomorrow that wasn't yesterday. And, and if you want to keep your job, just keep your mouth shut. Let the people who are setting the agenda talk. You keep your mouth shut unless it's to pipe up and agree with the people who are setting the agenda. I think that's where we're at. And for me, it doesn't matter because I'm not on Twitter. I've got the band account on there, and I stopped updating that, I don't know how long ago, because we just didn't have enough followers on there. It wasn't worth it. But at this point, I mean, it's, it's, it's very hard for me to justify being on any of those big social media platforms, but I need it for my job. And the, I think the thing I've got going for me is from the very beginning, I always took the attitude that the worst thing in the world for me and my band, this was before it was a career, but the worst thing in the world for me and my band, in terms of what we have to offer to fans, the worst thing in the world would be to self-censor and toe the line the way so many other bands did. Because as soon as you do that, you, you become beholden to that, and, and you agree to a certain set of rules and that limits what you can do. Now, everybody self-censors to some degree, but it's sort of like joining a club or society where the, um, the self-censorship rules don't actually come from yourself. They come from a, a group of people. So... You know, in punk, there's a, there's a certain set of, very narrow set, by the way, of um, political opinions that are acceptable. If you're outside of that, you're in trouble. Certain set of opinions that are acceptable regarding all the social issues. You go outside them, you're in trouble. And I always figured it's better not, just not to play that game. It'll screw you up in the short term, but it's just better off not you're better off not being beholden to that to to you know make the decision yourself based on what you feel is right and wrong about about what you will and won't say 
and what opinions you will and won't express. And of course, when you're younger, you go, and I certainly did this, you go, oh, I've got some opinions that are going to offend and upset some people. I got to get them out there. And as you get older, it's sort of like, you know, I don't have to, you don't have to fight every battle. But because I have that attitude, I don't have to worry about it. So a lot of people say, oh, really? Well, if there is all this censorship, then how does, you know, insert name of whoever, Joe Rogan, how does he do blah, 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 blah. How does he keep his show? It's not for lack of trying on the people who want to shut him down, I'll tell you that. I mean, you, you, like, if you shut down nine people successfully, and then you're going to say, yeah, we're not censors because we, we weren't able to shut down this one guy. Number 10, we just we couldn't fucking get him to shut his mouth. So clearly we're not censors. No, you just failed in that one case. But unfortunately, you've succeeded in many other cases. Anyway, as always, I've enjoyed my time with you. Went a little long today, but I don't know. Thoughts have been germinating, as it were. And as I said, I may end up going, going on hiatus. I love that term. Hiatus is where you quit but you want to leave the door open for a return if you change your mind. Or where you want to quit, but you don't want to say I quit. So the podcast may be going on hiatus soon. I don't know. But anyway, until next time, whenever that next time may be, please remember, I love you all very much. So long.